you, you've got this dream and this vision and this is what's going to happen in my life and, and life will always take you on all these different pathways and you just got to be open to it and ready for it never give up on your your main dream but you'll never know where these you know the turns in the river are going to go and you're going to meet all these incredible people along the way so you know facilitate that you know stay in touch the, you know they're they're not just people in your rolodex they're connections and they're you know people that you you know that you'll lean on one day when you really need them so yeah it's it's 24 years between films and thank goodness you know in some ways thank goodness yeah 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 well i would have liked to have been directing you know 20 movies in that last uh, 20 years but that's okay but i learned so much you know again the movie we would have made if we'd made accidental texan 20 something years ago it would not it would, it would not be the quality that it is now. Twenty-four years between feature films. Talk about resilience. Mark Bristol, my guest today, has worked for the top directors the last few decades, and now he's tied all that together with his second feature film, Accidental Texan. But nothing accidental about his success. In this episode, he'll give you a masterclass on indie filmmaking. Welcome to First Time Go. I'm Benjamin Duchek. Filmmaker, storyboard artist, Mission Impossible, Terrence Malick. We've got it all in this episode. Maybe I need to have more Texans on the show if they can communicate the reasons for their success like Mark can. Let's go. Good day, Mark Bristol, director of The Accidental Texan. Mark, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for the uh, invitation. This is, this is, this is wonderful. I'm thrilled to have you. So the Accidental Texan had its world premiere a year ago, I think, at the Dallas International Film Festival, and I read that it won the Audience Award. Comes out on March 8th. Are you nervous? Are you excited? All of the above? I, I'm euphoric, ecstatic. You know, we. I mean, I've been attached to this movie in one form or another for, for nearly 20 years, and we finally got to make it, and I'm so glad we made it when we did. And it's a beautiful film. I'm incredibly proud of it. The audience responses at all the film festivals we've been to has been wonderful. And I just can't wait to share it with a general audience. So we, we're just, this is the moment we've just been dreaming about and working so hard for. And to finally have it coming to fruition is amazing. And Roadside Attractions is just doing a tremendous job, you know, on the marketing and, and promotion of the film. And so... Yeah, it's it's about to ramp up even more. So I couldn't be I couldn't be happier. That's awesome, Mark. So it has taken this idea was in Genesis for around 20 years. Can you talk me through how you got involved in filmmaking and what that process has been like? Wow, okay. So that'll go back 40 something years. Awesome. Uh, you know, like so many filmmakers of my generation, Star Wars lit the spark. And I was already an artist drawing obsessively every day you know it was all world war ii and then as soon as star wars hit it was all star wars all the time and you know i was eight when the movie came out and i came from i come from a family of, of of movie obsessed you know parents and so we you know i think the first movie i ever saw was Patton. you know at two you know my dad would take me to every every movie wow it was, great. It was a great education and but really for me it was when Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. I was eleven, and more importantly, they published a book called the Raiders of the Lost Ark: The Illustrated 
screenplay. And in it, it had storyboards and a script, which I had never seen either one of these things. This was way before the internet. And so books were your only resources to, or magazines to learn about filmmaking. And so to be an artist who is obsessed with filmmaking, and suddenly I see these, these drawings that Steven Spielberg had, had utilized these artists to help him pre-visualize his, his movie. And I was, I was hooked. I was like, this is, this is it. This is, this is, I can do this. And so, you know, again, before, you know, film cameras were too expensive, video cameras hadn't really even been barely available on the market. We couldn't afford it. But what I could afford was to sit down with my pen and paper and start storyboarding. So I taught myself how to storyboard off of that book. You know, what are these arrows off to the side of frame? And then I'd watch the movie on VHS. Like, oh, oh, the camera's moving. Okay, that 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 denotes that or it's pulling back you know what is a dolly and so you know it was just my early education on how to craft scenes and how to visually think and and compose and 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 it also showed the director's first intentions you know which then were later interpreted by his incredible cast and crew and so it was just an incredible early resource for me and so I was doing that through high school and and through college, and incredibly enough, I guess while I was still in middle school, my Little League baseball coach in Austin, Texas, was Bill Whitliff, who had written and produced Lonesome Dove and uh, The Black Stallion, which for me as a kid was a huge movie, and, and he was my coach. And I really sucked that year at baseball because I needed glasses <laughs> and I didn't know it, so I couldn't see, couldn't see anything. And so I just sat on the bench and talked movies with Bill. And eventually I showed him my Oh, story. that's amazing. Uh, truly, truly. <laughs> and I showed him my boards, you know, at an early age. And he really, you know, took me under his wing and became a mentor. And then gave me my first job in the film industry. I'll never forget him leaning across the desk, handing me a check and saying, welcome to the film business, kid. You know, incredible. And wow. That, and that first TV show called Ned Blessing led to Dazed and Confused and now 100 movies you know, tons of television, thousands of commercials later, you know, I've, I've been storyboarding away and and directing and writing as much as I can. And certainly with the, with the release of Accidental Texan, you know, I've got something to, to really show for all of that uh, experience and, 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 and working with so many directors and learning from them. So anyway, that's a long answer to a, to a short question. That, that's a great answer. So do you feel that your talent steered you in a certain direction? Like, do you think you would have gone that way no matter what? Or do you think it's sort of a combination between, you know, being talented artist for drawing and then meeting mentors that also like encouraged you in that particular direction, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I, I never ever thought about becoming a filmmaker, it was just always what I was, you know? So once I discovered those storyboards, it just seemed like, well, that, this is it. Right. Uh, and storyboards for me were the way in as I grew older, you know, through high school and college, really directing became my primary focus and, 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 and really started to try to facilitate that. But the storyboards was how I got in. Okay. And so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and then a, you have mentors all along your path. Right. You know, I've been so fortunate to work with so many wonderful filmmakers, kind, generous people, you know, people who, I've, who I really leaned on 
when I was making Accidental Texan, you know, Ken Quapitz, who is a, is a dear friend who he and I did Beautician of the Beast. As I was a storyboard artist and, and we've done multiple, you know, he, he was the, the, the director and, and, and producer on The Office and the Larry Sanders show. Incredible. You know, and Christopher McQuarrie, my dear friend, we've done all the last four Mission Impossible films together. I've, I've been collaborating with him for 25 years. And so, yeah, all along your path, you know, these amazing individuals come into your life, whether you're working with them and then continue a friendship and then, yeah, you know, just learning from them and, and having them encourage you to, to pursue your dream which is, is just incredible, you know, they, and then they had people in their lives. So it's, you know, it's right. like that paying it forward. Paying it forward. Yep. And it's something each person, you know, should always remember as they're moving through this is, is how can you help other people continue up in a, in a positive way? That's amazing, Mark. So this is not your first feature. Can you walk me through what occurred? Like when you made your first film, your first feature, what you learned from that, and then what you took from that to Accidental Texan? Sure. So in the late 90s, I had, you know, started doing music videos and and some shorts, you know, just trying to build, trying to get experience and build a reel and and back to Bill Whitlip, you know, there, the Austin Film Festival in Austin, Texas, you know, Screenwriters Film Festival. I was invited the very first one and, and you know, got to show some storyboards and, and met some amazing people. But I, I met the two women who run the, the film festival. And, you know, they had said to me and Whitliff, who was on the board, you know, we want to find a script out of this festival and, and produce it and turn it into a film. And, and Whitliff, you know, said, uh, well, you should get Mark Bristol directed. And I, again, I had a, a small reel, you know, I just had some short films and, 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 and not even that really more like music videos, but they were very kind of stylistic. And, and, you know, I think that combined again with the, 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 that I'm a storyboard artist. I've already been, you know, working with so many directors, you know, Terrence Malick at that time. And, and, you know, to, so they, they felt they could trust this, this young director, you know, I had enough experience working on other people's films and a nascent sort of, you know, early reel that, uh, yeah, they gave me an incredible opportunity to go and, and direct this movie that came out of the, the script came out of the Austin film festival. It was originally called natural selection. And we made it on a tiny shoestring budget, but we were able to, get, you know, gather an incredible cast. You know, David Carradine, Bob Balaban, Stephen Root, Michael Bowen, and an incredible group of, of local filmmakers. And 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 we, you know, we shot it in two and a half weeks. Half, I would say, three quarters of it on film, and then some on video. There's like this, there's this, there's this documentary that runs through it. And and then, you know, the, the film was finished and, and then unfortunately it didn't really go anywhere. You know, it went to Blockbuster. We didn't we didn't get to go to any film festivals, which I was really banking on to help sort of, you know, promote, yep. promote myself and move and, and you know, meet people and, and 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 get out there, you know. So I had another script that I was ready to go for my next film. It didn't really get a lot of uh, traction. So, you know, I was newly married and with a baby on the way. So back to storyboards, you know, back right. to thing that, you know, keeps the Makes light money. On. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, 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 you know, and that just kept skyrocketing and, and I was having a blast and always developing things. You know, I've been attached to so many projects that never saw the light of day. Some, one, we were a week away from shooting and the financing fell through. So always working to get that next movie, to get that next, you know, short film. And I've done a lot along that pathway. But yeah, 
wrote and directed a really cool series for Rooster Teeth called Day Five. I wrote two episodes and directed one. You know, so always working, always working on trying to get back in the director's seat. But, you know, when when you're working on the, you know, the, the Mission Impossible franchise, that's a lot of fun. So, you know, it's easy to get pulled away. Right. Um, and I had to leave Mission to come make Accidental Texan, you know. So, and, and you know, that that's a, that's a big choice because it takes, as you know, it takes so much time to develop these things. And so, you know, what's your day job? Are you going to be able to keep the lights on? Are you going to be able to pay for your family and, and uh, support your family? So, you know, these are all choices and decisions. You know, you, you never think, you know, for your young listeners out there, you know, You've got this dream and this vision, and this is what's going to happen in my life, and and life will always take you on all these different pathways. And you just got to be open to it and ready for it. Never give up on your your main dream, but you'll never know where these you know the turns in the river are going to go, and you're going to meet all these incredible people along the way. So, you know, facilitate that. You know, stay in touch. The, you know, they're they're not just people in your rolodex. They're connections, and they're you know, people that you, you know, that you'll lean on one day when you really need them. So yeah, it's, it's 24 years between films and thank goodness, you know, in some ways, thank goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, I would have liked to have been directing, you know, 20 <laughs> movies in that last uh, 20 years, but that's okay. But I learned so much, you know, again, the movie we would have made, if we'd made Accidental Texan 20 something years ago, it would not it would it would not be the quality that it is now. Not only from the storyteller, you know, I've learned so much of the storyteller, Cohen Wooten, who's my dear friend and producing and co-writing partner. You know, he and I, you know, worked with Julie Denny to rewrite the script. We took an, a year and a half to do that. So we recrafted the story based, again, on all the things we've learned as filmmakers and as storytellers. And then I was also able to apply the immense amount of experience that I now have as, as a filmmaker to the production. So we made for a very efficient, you know, shoot. We can go into that in a, in a different question. But so, yeah, yeah, it's a long, it's a long gap, but I'm hoping now with the release of this film that, that there won't be any more gaps of that length. Well, if there are, I'd probably be dead, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so. But, <laughs> that's awesome, Mark. And, and that's definitely something I want to explore because I think uh, for the listeners, this is, Mark, you're being very humble. You've worked as a storyboard artist for some of the best directors in the last few decades. As you mentioned, Terrence Malick, Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, pretty much a who's who of directors in the last 20 years. And you must have learned a lot from working so closely to them. So can you talk a little bit about, was it most was it mostly behind the, like other things other than the filmmaking, like, you know, how to run a movie set, or was it like a combination of both, like shooting uh, you know, combination of almost everything that uh, you learned. It's 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 vast, and in, 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 in it's a masterclass in, in filmmaking from each and every one of them. Right. Whether whether they're a Terrence Malick or you know a commercial director that I'm that I'm that I'm working with or a young early director, each one of them is a masterclass. But certainly the masters that you've just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I've, I you know from from T- Terrence Malick, I learned the poetry of filmmaking. You know that it that it. Don't rely on dialogue. You know, let the emotion of the experience. It's it, it's it's just as important as any other aspect of filmmaking. And so, you know, you know, from Kim Quapis, I learned your demeanor on set. You know, it's joyful. You're making a movie. Yes, it's incredibly stressful. But one of the things I learned is 
from him and, and others, but particularly from him is, you know, bring the joy, bring the enthusiasm, take your, your, your anger or your stress elsewhere, you know, vent to your producer, but not your captain crew. And there were plenty of times on Accidental Texan that, you know, I, I, I could have exploded with, you know, with, 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 with cussing, but, you know, <laughs> want to inspire, I, what I've so learned from Ken and, and, and Christopher McQuarrie is, you know, you want to inspire the people around you because I know when I've been the crew, I want, I work twice as hard for somebody that I really admire Completely. and like, yep. you know, if they're a screamer or if they're stressed out and angry, you know, you just don't want to be around that energy. And so, so yeah, I've, uh, from Ken demeanor, reading his book, which I cannot recommend more to all of your listeners is, uh, you know, all I've ever wanted to do is direct. That was a, that was like my Bible for making uh, accidental Texan. Yeah. From Chris and, and Tom Cruise emotion. You know, I talked about that with, with Terrence Malick, but it's about finding the emotion in every scene as you're writing, and then how can you maximize that as you're shooting? Down to the lens choices, you know, every aspect. What is it you want to communicate to the audience, and what do you want them to feel? And 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 that's that's you know that's what they stand by on on all their films. And so, you know, tremendous learn so much from 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 Chris, and and he's an incredibly you know I mean he's. He, this word is thrown right. around often. In yeah. He's a true storytelling genius, and so to exactly. get to work yep. with him and be one of his, you know, be on his team is, is you you would pay billions right. of dollars <laughs> for that experience, right? You were getting paid to do it. Yes, it's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, and so I'm I'm soaking all of that in, you know, and trying to do my best to then you know synthesize it and then make it my own. Yeah, so I've just had a, an amazing opportunity to, to 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 work with these individuals and learn from them and 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 hopefully make them proud. You know, I, I can't wait for them to see the film. That's incredible, Mark, and I am so excited. I mean, like if I'm listening to this now, I'm thinking, how incredible is Accidental Texan? So, can you talk a little bit about the story and what you want people to see when they sit down and watch? Hopefully, in a theater. Yes, hopefully in a theater. That would be extraordinary. Well, you know, it's it's uh, what I think is so refreshing about the film, and we've seen so many of these comments on online once the, after the trailer's been released, and we had people coming out of the theater saying this exact exact same thing. How refreshing to have a warm-hearted, feel-good film that I come out of the movie with a smile on my face because there's not enough of those. And, you know, it, we live in trying times and, and, you know, this is entertainment. This is an escape for a lot of people. And I love dark films and I love, you know, my Christopher Nolan and David Venture tonalities, but there, there hasn't been enough. And I think this fills a wonderful niche of just, you know, going into for a pleasurable experience. It's funny. You'll laugh, you'll cry. You know, it's, it's beautifully shot. It's, it's just a, it's just a good story. So I know people will come out with that feeling and 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 I'm excited to see the to the the reactions. And it's just you know it's the cast. I keep looking over here at the poster, you know. They're just extraordinary. We again, it all comes back to that screenplay. That's why we work so hard on it. But, you know, I think Robert Altman said 90% of directing is is casting. And when you have a cast of that caliber, you know, you you stand you stand out of the way for the most part. You know, you're making little adjustments here and there. But they're bringing their magic, and right. and 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 the film showcases, you know, the the caliber of 
of their talent. And, and, and so it was on me to just build a, you know, to build a successful film around their performances. That's fantastic. And, and the log line for the film, Mark, so people know like what to expect when they watch. You know, here's the thing. I can write a movie. I can direct a movie. I am terrible at pitching a movie. Uh, <laughs> I think Roadside came up with this. It's in the trailer. Right. Sometimes you have to get lost to, to, to find yourself. I think. Nice. In those lines. Yeah, it's, it's, I would say go, go watch the trailer. Okay. It speaks to you. I don't want to tell you how to feel about it. Like, like it. Even though I think I just did. But yeah, watch the trailer and, and you know, experience the film and, and see how you respond to it. But I know you, you know, I, I think the vast majority of your audiences will be really pleased. And there's, you know, it's it's a tribute to the people and the spirit, the best of, of, of humanity and the best of, of, of Texas. You know, since I'm seeing, since we're seeing the film through Irwin's eyes, he's he's a fish out of water. You know, he's a hard-educated right. actor, Hollywood actor who gets stranded in 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 our fictional town of of Buffalo Gap, tax, Texas, and and you know, he meets the kindness of strangers, and so the but the world is is, is revealed to him through his eyes. So at first, it's a harsh landscape. You know, there's wind; it's desaturated you know, out on the oil rig, it's out kind of in this rock quarry, you know, so it, it, it feels like it doesn't feel like an inviting place. Like how, how can I get out of here as fast as possible? But as the movie progresses, and as he becomes more involved with Merle's, you know, plight, and the world begins, the, the, the landscape begins to open up to him, you know, and we slowly brought the color of the film back so that one, by the time he's fully integrated, you know, he's finally living in this in this very colorful beautiful world so my intention was i love that yeah yeah it's you know so subtle things that help the again it's that emotion tell the story right help the audience understand your character's place in his in his or her journey and so you know but i really once he's fully integrated i really wanted to show the beauty of this landscape of of, of texas and and its people and so it was very important to me that that the movie look extraordinary and that's why you know we hired i hired matthew wise to to shoot it and he just did an absolutely extraordinary job and and company three you know was was the colorist on it and and that was very important to us to spend that money to 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 elevate the look of the film because it was important to the journey and that again goes back to you know you just can't make beautiful shots for the you know right because it's cool it has to tell the story Right. And that's what Chris and Ken and Tom Cruise, all of them, you know, all about the story. Every single choice you make as a director has to go back to how does this tell the story? So it looks beautiful because that's Irwin's journey. And, and so it was a great pleasure to be able to, and, and thankfully we lucked out with the weather and, you know, the, the, the locations were extraordinary. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's a really fun film and a, and a beautiful film to watch. And and you'd probably agree with this, but it sounds like you're telling all the gearheads out there that it may not be as important to have, you know, the fanciest gear or just like the the newest stuff. I mean, that's great. But if it's not in service to telling the story, you can have like the most expensive stuff out there and it still won't get the job done for your film. Well, we, how many movies have we watched? I have guilty right. pleasures that, you know, yeah, visually right. it's incredible, but right. the story was kind of shitty. And that's fine. You know, they, they serve a purpose. I mean, I mean, commercials is nothing but, you know, well, they're short stories and beautiful visuals. But yes, it, you know, 
if you're making a movie just because it's cool and it looks cool, then it's going to it's going to be forgotten. It's going to fall flat. It's all those beautiful shots that you are so proud of are really not going to mean anything because we're not engaged. You know, if I want to, you know, look at beautiful pictures, I'll, you know, I'll I'll go follow my, you know, photographers on Instagram, you know, right. (laughs) But if you can engage the audience, if there is, if they're emotionally engaged with you, then, then those beautiful pictures just become that much more sumptuous because that's what cinema does. That's why we go to the movie theaters, you know, is to step outside of our, you know, I mean, you know, this terrible lighting in my office right now. You know, if we were shooting this in the movie, we'd put a little smoke in here. Backlight, yeah, right. <laughs> we'd have some more shafts of light coming through because I love Steven Spielberg and Ridley Scott. You know, and that's where we go because we're we're, we're stepping into a slightly enhanced world. You know, <laughs> so right. so for for me as a filmmaker, I always want to you know you know you're making a movie. This is very much a movie story. You know, this is a story that's not going to happen in reality in the way we told it, and so it gives you the license to. You know, to to make it look beautiful, have that shaft of light, you know, in a, in an attic that's you know highlighting a a particular detail that you're interested in, and so you know that's fun, that's great. I mean, that's why you know that's why I love making movies is because you get to play you know in this visual landscape. So that's awesome, Mark. So, what do you think has happened to comedy? I imagine one of the selling points on this was that like Texas is sort of an international brand. Do you think it's mostly that people can't sell comedies internationally? Is that we haven't seen as many comedies getting made? Boy, I, you know, I'm not enough of an expert to say anything about the state of comedy. You know, I'm just a, a film goer as much as you and, and your audience. And, and you know, the only thing I, I've, I think I've already said, you know, I do feel that there is a lack of a feel, you know, really well-made, feel-good yep. films, you know dramedies ours is a dramedy yeah i don't know you know i thought the holdovers was a beautiful movie funny as hell but you know had a great heart you know so i would say thematically we're similar to that so as far as the state of comedy i really you know i I really can't speak to that but you know i did my best to add to the canon of of dramedies and and you know let's let's see what the audience let's see what their reaction is you know i can't wait Right. To go, you know, I've seen it with multiple audiences in a, in a theater. Right. And I tell you, the Dallas premiere was, it was just extraordinary. I'll never forget that. Because, you know, you've seen this movie in your editing bay. You've seen it, you know, in a small and right. in, in the mixing stage. You've seen it with a few friends. We did a test screening, you know, uh, before we finished the edit. But to see the final film with a packed audience that was just, you right. know, the, the laughter, the applause was it's everything you dream about as a filmmaker, you know, to have, oh, wow, this, this works. <laughs> right. For real. With people, people I don't know, right? You know, I hear my wife tell me, oh, your podcast is great. I mean, does that mean that it's really great or is it just your wife telling you, you know, the, to, to bump you up? So I'm yeah, sure there was I mean, some piece of that. Listening to our conversation and, you know, with a laugh track. Was right. Funny, you know, you're like, oh, wow, it, it, it is working. It is good. So. You know, that's what you hope for as a filmmaker to, to, yeah, to sit there with that audience. And I can't wait for opening day with a, with a general audience and just, you know, I'm going to go to multiple, you know, screenings and just awesome. listen, you know, listen, McCory, Christopher McCory on all the mission films, you know, for him, it's all, again, it's also all about the audience. Right. And, and Tom, I mean, my gosh, he risked his life for entertaining the audience, but. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Oh, boy. incredible, incredible. <laughs> 
but yeah, they, you know, they, they, it's, you know, all the feedback they get in their, in their test screenings and, and, you know, Chris, good or bad, really embraces it, you know, cause again, if you're, if you disagree with the notes you get back from your audience, that's fine. But if you, right. if you're doing it to the disservice of the story and, and cause they're telling you, you know, this is, this is how they're reacting. And so you better listen and, and, and employ that, you know, and put that into your film, even if it goes against, you know, listen and, and let your creativity come up with a solution. So yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they, we'll, we'll see what they have to say. So you may have already just answered this question by, with, by saying the audience's reaction, but I'm curious, like putting aside box office or any sort of financial element to this, how do you define success in the accidental Texans release? Wow. I would say just the fact that we have theatrical release, you know, as an independent film, right. Uh, most don't get a theatrical release. So I think already, you know, we, uh, we've, we've, we've struck gold. Yeah. Uh, you know, yes, I absolutely hope it makes its money. So the investors, you know, recoup their, their investment. That's very important to me, but that's out of our hands. Once right. it's released, you know, but I, I feel like, you know, yeah, we, we we made a high quality award winning film that audiences have already started to adore. That that's it. You know, when I went yeah. into this, I told my producing partner Cohen Wooten, you know, there's only two things I want out of this movie. I want to make an excellent film, which I believe we have, and I just wanted to to open the door to the next one. You know how it's received and 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 whether it makes its money back. That's out of my control. Exactly. Like my only thing I can control is make something of high quality put it out there and hope people respond. And hopefully that response leads to our investors getting their money back. So, yeah, I feel like we've already, you know, I've, like I said, I'm euphoric. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the film and, and I feel like we've already, you know, won, won the, the jackpot. That's awesome, Mark. So what is next for you? Do you have plans uh, for your next film? Yes. Cohen Wooten, my, as I've said, my producing uh, writing partner and I are working very hard Currently, right now, I'm getting our next movie made. It's called uh, Generation X. It is a late 80s crime thriller with an incredible soundtrack. Oh, hell yeah. By oh. Pet Mode, The Cure. You know, <laughs> oh, yes. Skinny Puppy, Front 242. So it's a really unique look oh. on the 80s that we haven't seen before. So that will be our next film that hopefully we're making in fall of this year. So, again, another thing that I'm hoping Accidental Texan will do is open those doors so that so that there's not a 24 year gap between my next film let's let it be uh, <laughs> a, a a a six month gap well it's interesting mark because uh, i think so many people think that the film itself is a reason why people get to make another film and i think to some degree you know the quality of the film is but a lot of it must come back to you know a do the investors feel like they got maybe even if they don't make their money's worth that you invested their money wisely. B, did you run a great set? Like I can't imagine people, you know, giving money when they hear like the actors, a lot of the creators on the set hated the experience. I can't imagine that person getting to make another film. So I imagine like all the things that you've learned helped you run that set on an accidental Texan in a way that will enhance your opportunity to make such a, you know, which should ho hopefully be like a fantastic film in Generation X. Well, thank you. Do you want me to talk about uh, the efficiency on, on the on the film set or how to prepare yeah. for for having your follow up film? Yeah, no, both if possible, Mark. I think okay. those are very interesting. 
Well, again, having worked on, you know, having been a part of the crew on so many movies and seen them from, you know, the giant tentpole movies like Mission Impossible to, you know, smaller independent films. For me, you know, of course, it all comes back to the storyboards. You know, I storyboard every frame, every shot in Accidental Texan. Oh, cool. And that is, there is no better way to be efficient with pre-planning than storyboards. You know, I mean, again, we do it on Mission Impossible. We do it on a, you know, on a medium budget independent film. We do it on a no budget. Proudly enough, I did storyboards for a short film that is now nominated for an Academy Award this year, Red, White, and Blue. So again, the storyboard awesome. are imperative. Not only you know, does it allow you, the director, whether you do them yourself, which is rare, or you hire right. somebody, yeah. you know, you're able to pre-visualize your film. And your, it's, like the next, it's like the final draft of the script in many ways. You know, you're working through the transitions. You're, you're already figuring out what's working and, and what's not. And you can make those adjustments well in a way, but you know it. It and it 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 led to an incredibly efficient shooting that you know my producers would do a better job than me to, to define. But you know we, you know you know we're able to like let's say okay there's a there there's a there's a big a couple big sequences in the movie that and so of course we storyboard everything. We had we could have all the meetings about safety and about you know there's a helicopter and there's an oil rig and there's all the you know. All our cast are there. And so, you know, you need, you have to come utterly prepared because, again, it's an independent film. You know, we had, we had 30 day shoot. We cut it down to 28 again because of the efficiency. There's no reshoots, there's no time for error. And so the storyboards, it allow you to, to really maximize your, your shots. And, you know, you know, okay, we're averaging 30 to 50 setups a day. So you can make sure that you're fitting within the parameters of your, of, of your production. And then, you know, you can have all those meetings. You, here's the other thing, like, you know, because of the storyboards, I know on this, on three days, we can afford a steady cam operator for three days. Okay. Well, here are the three days that we need them because they're in the storyboard. We had one day for a crane. Okay. Here's the one day because here's the, here's where it's storyboard, right? So it enables you to have all those. Fascinating. Your right. And plan and budget again, accordingly and efficiently. So you make sure that you have these resources available to you. When you need them, you know, we could, you know, you can't afford at this budget level to have a steady cam operator just standing by for the right. director's whim. You know, I mean, it'd be nice <laughs> to have a budget one day where I can do that. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, so the boards are just a fantastic way to, to, to pre-plan your film. And then while you're shooting, of course, they're on a storyboard, they're posted up. And it's a great way, again, but, you know, you're fighting time. Let's say, you know, we're at, we're, we're nearing magic hour. We have six shots left on our storyboards. We know we only have time for two, maybe three. So you go over with your first AD and your cinematographer and you start consolidating. Okay, we're going to cut these two. Instead of this dolly shot, we'll turn this into a handheld. You know, yada, yada, yada. It gives you that quick ability to make those changes and then execute on. Because again, the last thing any crew wants to see or actors is a director standing around going, I don't know. What do you want? So, you know, it just it, it, it right. keeps you in charge. It keeps you focused. It keeps your crew focused. And so that to me is, was a huge resource for us. And, and, you know, and I think also off of that is just the, the ability to pivot and because calamities occur. And, and of course you, you have to be able to pivot on a dime and, and keep moving. And, and most importantly, 
it allows you to, you've worked out so much of the visuals that then you can just focus on the performances. And so that's the biggest gift of them is that I didn't, you know, I'd already put so much effort into thinking about how it was going to be shot so that, and, and, and the storyboards are always just a guide, even for me, you know, there are some scenes like the opening where Irwin arrives on set and makes his way into, you know, the set, which you see some of that in the trailer that was shot for shot, exactly the storyboards because it's very visual. There's a great performance in the midst of it, but it's a very visual scene. But for the most part, the boards are just a loose way to get into it. You want to work with your actors to find the, more, the, the most natural thing, you know, that, that feels right for their characters. But the boards are always there as a, as a nice thing to kind of, you know, they're a foundation to start with. But they, you know, the Coen brothers, I understand, follow their boards exactly. Fincher, I believe, pre-vised all of uh, Panic Room and followed it exactly. And there's an art to that. And that's incredible. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle where, you know, we follow some things exactly because it's, it's visually designed for a reason. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's a foundation. And then you let your actors, you, you discover the moment with them in the scene. And the board maybe at least lets you know, like, okay, this wide shot, Erwin is sitting at the end of the counter because he's lonely. He's, he's alone in frame and this big wide lens. You know, so you've already kind of at least thematically worked that out. But how the rest of the actors are moving in scene is, is the fun of, of blocking them on the day. So, so I would say that's, you know, what I bring. I think that's a unique thing I bring to the table as a director is, is, the, is my own storyboards as, as, a, as, a, as, a, you know, as a means to being as efficient and creative as possible. So, well, there's that. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like there should be like some sort of thing on the side of the podcast where they have to like get a ticket to Accidental Texan for that advice. Cause that's probably like, you know, a couple thousand at least of film school advice right there. So <laughs> Mark for I've, I've, I've learned from these masters. <laughs> right. Well, you've picked up so much. Yeah. So for like a 21 year old who may or may not have attended film school, what kind of advice can you give them to learn all this? Like, is it, I mean, like you can't really get that from a book. You almost have to do it, but like, like what kind of advice would you give a 21 year old to learn that just work on film sets? Like your yeah. thoughts on like what they should do. Yeah. Well, and making, you know, the phone's fine. Make your own. I mean, my yeah. goodness, the availability, you can shoot it and edit it. You know, I, I uh, yeah, I just go and, and, and mainly make mistakes, Right. you know, really fail, you know, and learn from that. I think that, one of the biggest lessons, especially as a writer, that I learned, you know, early when I, you know, in, when I was in my twenties, you feel like everything is precious. You know, you've read this incredible script and it's amazing, and and don't change a word. And then you know, people read it and they're like, "Ah, eh, it's not so good." You know, and I remember as as a young writer, you know, really sticking my foot in the mud and, and being intractable. And that's not the path to creativity. That's not the path toward toward collaboration. And so I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned and Macquarie and Cruz talk about, you know, it's a huge part of their creative endeavor is everything, nothing is precious. Everything can change and should if it needs to and rely on your own creativity to solve it. And so like when Cohen and I are writing, you know, I may have written a scene that I just think is fucking awesome and send it to him. And, you know, he's like, you know, this is good, but I've got another idea. And I'm like, great, run with it. Even if I thought what I wrote was amazing. Right. Because out of that openness, you're going to get new ideas. And I've always found that those new ideas are going to be so much better if, than your original idea. You know, you just got to be open to the collaboration and open, open to changing it. 
And that comes into the editing of the film as well. You know, nothing is precious. Don't ever be, don't ever dig your, don't ever back yourself into a creative corner, you know, be open-minded. I think is, and that comes, you know, for me, it came, it took experience and, and trust in yourself and also failing, like I said, a number of times, writing terrible screenplays for a long time until finally somebody starts going, sitting that bad. But yeah, the open-mindedness, the ability to to change and and to not think what you've done is 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 brilliant. And it may be, but be open to adjusting it. Be open to changing it. Be open to I mean, okay, I'll tell you an interesting story. Generation X. I wrote the original draft of that 10 years ago. And after after we finished Accidental Texan, you know, I sent it to Cohen and I'm like, this is I want this is my next movie. This is the one I want us to make. And he read it and he, you know, and he said, the idea is great. The, the, the world you've built is great. The characters are awesome. But, uh, you know, it's, it's been 10 years and I think some other projects have sort of stolen your thunder. We need to rewrite this. I took a deep breath, you know, and I'm like, you're right. You're right. There's a reason why I'm going to get this movie made in 10 years. Let's, let's do it. And we rewrote the entire script. Page wow. One rewrite. And it's infinitely better. And it's getting a lot of attention. And so big lesson you know had i just stuck my you know stuck to it no this this is the script yeah probably never get made so i would say that yeah just get out there experience fail have an open creative mind and and be you know be willing to collaborate that you know there's no greater collaboration than filmmaking so that would be my 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 number one you know suggestion to to young filmmakers wow oh i love this so much mark so the filmmakers podcast love to hype other people's projects. I'm sure there's people listening who've been working a decade maybe or more on their own projects. So hopefully give them hope. Is there an indie film or filmmaker that you wish more people knew about? All young filmmakers struggling to be seen, struggling to be heard. You know, you know, again, I've spent so much time working on other people's dreams, you know, and and it, it you know, the, all of those voices that are out there that are trying to get into film festivals that are making their short films, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a dream on the, you know, that's, that's right on the verge of, of, of madness. And so, yeah, support short films, go out and yes. see them when you can, so, you know, watch them on, watch them on YouTube, you know, call it out. If you see something cool on YouTube, I mean, you know, my, my, my son, yeah, does this, you know, just, Give people an opportunity to be seen and heard, and and I would say for financiers, you know, people that are in the position of financing films, short films, you know, take take a risk, take a chance, you know, believe in somebody and 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 stand by that artist, and you have a great opportunity opportunity to see something extraordinary. So, yeah, I would say just you know, give give voice, give give eyes to. Those that that, that are that are, are you know struggling to to make their their films and 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 hopefully they'll get seen they'll get heard they'll get the experience and the next one will be better the next one will be better and it'll lead to you know something more extraordinary so you know I've been that guy I am still that guy and you know even if you're the top you're nearly at the top of Mount Olympus uh, you know of filmmaking they all still have their dreams and are still trying to get right. their projects made. So we're all the same. We're all the same artists just trying to, you know, find a way. You know, I can sit here at home 
nobody has to pay me to, to, to make my own sketches. And that's lovely. But if I want to make movies, you know, it's, it's, it's the movie business. And so, you know, it, it requires a lot of money. So hopefully, yeah, that would just go, that's awesome. go to the theater. <laughs> yes. Go to the theater March 8th and watch accidental Texan. Mark, this has been a masterclass on filmmaking. I'm so excited about the film. I'm sure it'll do well. You're proving that humility and hard work wins. And that's, that's just so exciting. So thank you. I really appreciate. Yep. I really appreciate you joining me today. This has been such a great experience. I've learned so much. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you again when Generation X is released. Ben, again, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for the opportunity. Often it's a, you know, it's, it's a humble, uh, other, well, directing is not so humble. You have to be humble, <laughs> but storyboard artists are, are very humble and quiet in their craft. And so we rarely talk about what we do. So it's great to, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to, to, to come here and, and, and hopefully entertain and, and perhaps, you know, inform some of your, your listeners. And I, again, I pre- really appreciate the, the opportunity and, and the invite. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, please give the podcast a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. It's free and helps expand the reach for the creators on the show. Expanded membership is available through Directors Club. You get access to season one, early episodes when available, and other subscription benefits. Sign up now through Red Circle. The link is in the show notes. Check out the podcast YouTube channel if you'd like to watch a select number of episodes of the podcast and the indie film highlight posted every Sunday. Thanks again for listening and helping creators get their first time go.